by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. So we're in a series called Led. It seems like every year at the beginning of the year, the Lord will have me go back to the basics. And this year, we're Keying off of Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Are you being led by the Spirit of God in your decisions and your daily walk with God? And so we're going to, we've been talking about things, how to be led. What are, what are some key things? And last week we talked about our hotline to heaven, which was prayer. Like I said, very basic things, things that you know about, but things that God re-stirs us up. If we want to turn around, we got to do some re's ourselves. We got to rejoice. We got to re kindle. Who said that, buddy? Good job. If I had a candy bar, I'd throw it at you. Y'all help me preach today, okay? Yeah, there's a lot of reing we got to do. We got to continue to stir ourselves up in the things of God, and so today. We're going to talk about that other basic pillar of being led by God, and that is the navigation system that we know as the Bible. If you're in God's vehicle and you can look in the glove compartment, what are you going to find? The instruction manual. You're going to find the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. You're going to find whatever you want to call it. It is the Word of God. And it's so important in how we are led by, uh, how God leads us. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. Say living and powerful. Father, we thank you that everything about you is awesome. You're on the other side of awesome, like Callan said. You're way past awesome. We don't have words to describe the beauty of your glory and the count of your countenance and of your magnificence. Your, Lord, give me words today. I, I'm struggling for words to describe your glory. But Father... Lord Jesus, give us ears to hear, not just to play church, Lord. We're not here for a good church service. We're here from an account, for an encounter with you like never before. We can, they who labor, labor in vain unless the Lord builds the house. This is your house. We come together as the Passion Church, the body of Christ in this location and say, God, we can't do this without you. We need you. We need your power and your presence. Mixed with your people, that is a recipe for your vision to be accomplished. Please, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me in, in my, the message that you would have for your people today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What is the Word of God? It's 
living and powerful. It's alive. Some people read it as if it's a story of old stories. I can glean some wisdom from it. Yes, you can. But it's so much more than that. It is alive. I mean, sometimes I think that this thing is going to grow legs and run off the pulpit. It's so alive. It comes alive in my heart. I don't know if it does in your heart, but this thing is alive. And not only is it alive, it is powerful. It is full of power. It is full of the power of God. You want the power of God in your life? Well, this is powerful. You want God to be alive and not just some far-off character that you took away in the back of your mind? You want him to be alive to you? Then this is how. This is how he communicates and makes himself relevant and living in your life. Is he living in you? Well, this is the living word, and it's powerful. The scripture goes on to say, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. It gets right in there and it, and it lets you know the truth. Is that from you or is that from me? It divides our thoughts. It says our joints and our marrow is the discerner of our thoughts and even the intents of our heart. This thing will read you more than you read it. It is alive and it's powerful. And I'll tell you what, I heard a testimony Two weeks ago, I think it was, of how this word came alive in somebody's life, and I'll ask him to come today and be ready to share. So would you uh, give a passion welcome as she shares just a brief testimony, my daughter Kaylee Sheffield. Hello. I didn't know he'd call me this early. I thought I was going to have some time to think about it. Well, anyway, I'm Kaylee, if those of you that don't know me. Uh, let me get my notes up, please. Give me one second. Okay, so um, this Christmas, my papa, my mom's dad, gave me this devotional Bible. It's called Every Day with Jesus, and I started it on January 1st this year. Um, and I'm just going to go into my story. So um, on January 1st, I started this Bible. What it is is it does a, it does a Genesis and then it does uh, Psalms, Proverbs, and then it'll do some for Matthew. So it's kind of giving you, you know, a little bit of all of the Bible at once. Well, um, I noticed since I started reading this that I was starting to feel a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. Well, on January 3rd, I will never forget this day, I went to go to sleep. And uh, I felt, felt a lot of anxiety that day, and I went down, or went to lay down, and um you know, I was just feeling a lot of anxiety. I was tossing and turning, feeling heart palpitations, feeling, you know, um, a headache. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have an aneurysm and stuff like that. So, you know, just how – I'm sorry, guys. Hold on one second. <laughs> anyway, um, so I knew it was the devil. I knew it was the devil attacking me because I was starting to get back into the Word with God and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we all lay down to pray at night, and we pray in our – in our head and you know we all know we'll drift off in other thoughts and stuff like that but I knew that this was the devil attacking me so I started praying out loud and my main prayer that night was you know God help me go to sleep and help me wake up in the morning because I had this weird thing like I felt like I was going to die in the night it's 
seems dumb now, but it felt so real in the moment. And so um, I finally, you know, all night toss and turn. When I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I did not almost sleep a wink that night because I was just so having, having so much anxiety and um, feeling attacked and stuff like that. So, like I said, my main prayer was, God, help me go to sleep and help me wake up in the morning. Well, the next morning on day four of my um, devotional, uh, I couldn't wait to get out of bed. I woke up at like five, or woke up, I got out of bed at like five o'clock to go read this because I just wanted to stop feeling this way. So I went and read this and, um, you know, read, read through Genesis and then the Psalms came up and um, I was reading, it's Psalms 3, 1 through 8 um, and I was reading through it and this this scripture came to me and it said I lie down and sleep I wake again because the Lord sustains me and when I read that right then and there I knew that was God I almost get emotional even thinking about it because I'm going to be honest with you guys um, I haven't been in the word in a long time in a long time I you know I come to church every once in a while I pray every night but like since I've been in this, it's just been a constant thing. I feel like he's speaking to me. And like my prayer was, Lord, help me go to sleep. I lie down and sleep. My second part of my prayer was, please help me wake up in the morning. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And so that's really, I've been saying that every night since I, I've read that. Every night going to sleep, I'm, I'm saying that in my head out loud. And, the, you know, there's a lot of translations of this scripture, um, and I've looked at all of them, but none of them spoke to me like this exact translation, which is uh, the Christian Standard Bible. But that word sustain really stuck with me, and I loved that in that scripture. So I looked up the definition, and it says sustain means strengthen or support physically or mentally. And so, like I said, before all this, I haven't been in my Bible and stuff like that, and you know, I grew up around church. Y'all know that's my dad, youth pastor, children's pastor, pastor. So as a pastor's kid, you just feel like you you already know all this. You, I know what's true. I know it's true. I always feel safe in it and stuff like that. But like thinking of the word sustain to me, you know, that just knowing all that doesn't sustain me. But this word is what sustains me. It supports me mentally physically it's it it strengthens me mentally and physically that's in the definition of sustain you know so you know um this has just been the pathway lately just since january 1st i've just felt so much better since then i've been sleeping like a baby i really have and like it's just it's been awesome and um i'm excited to wake up every day and read this so um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Sorry, guys. It's kind of nerve-wracking. Sorry. And not only did it speak to your, to your situation, how does it make you feel to know that God sent that word to you that morning? It gives her chill bumps and makes her emotional thinking about it. See, that's how that sustains you more than anything for to give God the opportunity 
When you read your word, you're giving God the opportunity to step over into your life. He's able to speak into your life. That's what you're doing. Kaylee, that's a wonderful testimony. Example of how the word is living and powerful. That's what I, I guess the main gist of this message today is. Let God's word live in your heart. Let him speak to you. This is, the, this is how he leads us. If we want to be children of God, we need his living word. I once thought to myself, you know, if I'm stranded on a desert island and I can only take one thing with me, what would it be? If you can't take a person with me or anything like that, I can just only take one item with me. I thought it would be the word of God. This is my most treasured possession. Paul wrote from a prison cell to his disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy. He was, he was old by this point. He had been beaten and shipwrecked and all the things he had went through. His bones were probably creaking and back was aching and, and all these old wounds festering. And there he is in the inner prison and he's cold. And he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.13. He says, bring the cloak I left with Corpus at Troas when you come. He's saying, bring me some clothes, man. It's getting colder and colder in here. It's, the winter season's coming on and it's freezing. I need some clothes. So he thought about his body. But then he says, and the books, especially the parchments. The most scholars agree the books that he were talking about were the written word of God at the time. That was, you know, it wasn't collected all together as the Bible. It was the Old Testament and the Torah and that the Jews had, and they had certain books of the Bible. It might have just been one book that he was carrying with him. I don't know. But we know that Paul was in his darkest hour. He was longing for the word of God. And you know what parchments are? They're, they're just blank pieces of paper that, the, that they made back in those days. And I thought to myself, you know why he wanted those? Because he was still writing the Bible. He was God's chosen instrument to write most of the New Testament. So here he is old and could say, oh, my life is over. God won't even get me out of prison. He can woe is me. No, he's saying, bring me some clothes. And bring me the word of God and a pen and a piece of paper. Because it's alive in me. This is my life. And oh, how powerful it was that, that what Apostle Paul did just by his desire for the word of God. Imagine how different our lives would be if the word of God was first and foremost instead of just some old dusty book sitting on the coffee table when we grew up. I mean, we live in America and let's be honest, all of you grew up and grandma had a big old 1970s Bible about that thick. One of those big ones. Holy Bible. You know. And when you was a kid, you thumbed through it and it wasn't a whole lot of pictures, so you put it back down, you know. And we grew up just assuming, just the preacher will tell me everything I need to know, you know. The Bible just doesn't mean that much to most Americans. But I'm telling you, in some countries where the wicked rule and there's no freedom and it's only darkness, people would give their left arm for a copy of the Bible. Now, don't go watch this movie, but there's a movie called The Book of Eli where I, don't, I can't remember the premise, but I think maybe a nuclear 
war had decimated the population, only a few people left, and, and the, the premise is that he's got a copy of the Word of God. And, and there's no other copies, really. He's got an original copy, and he's trying to get it to the, to the place where they archive stuff so that mankind can be saved. It was the Word of God that was most important. People trying to kill him, even the, the forces of darkness were trying to kill him to get that Word of God because they knew it contained power. we got to wake up from our slumber and our understanding of how precious this is. Okay, I, I've got, I used to collect them. When I got saved, I was so in love with the Word of God. I, every garage sale I'd go, I'd buy every Bible they had. Until you can ask Angie, I had a whole th two things full of Bibles. And finally I began to see I can't read them all at once. They're just sitting there collecting dust, so I started giving them away, you know. Nicholas is not here, but I gave him about... 12 of them the other day because I knew Nicholas would give them to other people who would read them. Yes, you can go down to a dollar store and you can buy one. But I'm telling you, they're much worth much more than a dollar. They're precious to those who understand what they truly are. I wrote, the Word of God is a firm foundation to build our lives on. And that just reminds me of Jesus' parable about the two houses, the one guy went out to the beach and threw up a shelter real quick on the shifting sand. He was ready to, to get on with it, you know. That's the way most of us are. Let's get on. Let's party. Let's have a good time. Let's have a house on the beach. But he said the other guy, he took his time and he dug deep. He went past the shifting sand down to the bedrock, to the rock underneath, and that's where he attached his foundation to the, the house that he was building. And it was a firm foundation. And I want you to know the Word of God is that foundation. you got to dig past what the world says, past what Grandma says, past what your own heart, which is desperately wicked. you got to drill past that. you got to get down to what is, what is never going to move. And that is a firm foundation of God's Word. And you got to attach your life to it. That's how you build your life. Because Jesus said the wind and the waves and the storms of life came. The floods rose and beat on both of those houses. But the one who was built on the rock stood firm. The other one just fell. Great was the fall of it. Because it was built on the shifting sand. And so is today's culture. It's built on shifting sand. No telling what they're going to say next. That We got men trying to breastfeed babies today. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? If that is your foundation, what comes out in the news next or on your news feed next, that's what you're basing your life on, Lord help us all. The church got to get back to the rock. That's how we build our life. The word is like a compass. It's always pointing us true. You, a lot of people get knocked off course. I get knocked off course. The, the wind and the waves will beat against your house. The fog will come in. You'll say, where am I at? Where am I at? Well, I know what will point me true through the storms of life. I know it doesn't lie. It doesn't change. God, 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so is his word, and it'll never change. Not one jot or one tittle. This is the foundation that you must build your life upon. Now, the cults of this world, they'll say, oh, we believe the Bible. But we also have our book that we wrote. Squirrely Christians will say, well, I believe the Bible, but I watch a lot of stuff on the Internet I believe too. They say, I believe the Bible, but, you know, I watch my horoscope. I believe the Bible, but, you know, my life experiences say this. It's always the Bible and, but mature Christians sing a different song. I found a beautiful old hymn that I'm going to try to do justice. Beautiful words. It goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. But it says, The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with truth eternal and they glow with the light sublime. The Bible stands though the hills may tumble. It will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble. I will plant my feet on its firm foundation, for the Bible stands. The Bible stands. Verse 2 says, The Bible stands like a mountain towering, far above the works of man. Its truth by none ever was refuted, and destroy it they never can. The Bible stands, it will stand forever when the world has passed away. By inspiration it has been given all the precepts I will obey. The Bible stands every test we give it, for its author is divine. By grace alone, I expect to live it and to prove it and make it mine. For the Bible stands. The Bible stands. Last week, we said the Lord's Prayer together. You remember that part that says, give us this day our daily bread? That's what Jesus was talking about. This is the bread of life. Man shall not, shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the bread of life. It's, it feeds our spirit daily. I know you feed this flesh good. I feed mine. I, my flesh likes to be fed. But is your spirit weak and beggarly? Oh, but for, for the living, powerful word of God... I'm starving to death in here. Do you know that you can't count on me on Sunday to give you enough for your, you to be strong spiritually? It is your daily bread. I can't build your house for you. It is your house. It is your responsibility to feed your spirit man. And you know what else? That bread is provision along each step of your journey. You may read the word today, and it may not be a heavy revy like she got. It's like, oh, okay. I, you may be reading through Leviticus or something. You're reading about ceremonial washing. Oh, man, maybe you pick and choose, and you don't read the whole thing. You just read the parts that you like or whatever. But if you'll begin to give God opportunity to speak to you and you'll read a balanced diet, That's right. 
of the bread. You, you see, the, the, the little things that she's reading, she said it, it takes her to different parts of the Bible, Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, and New Testament. Now, my personal reading, every day I read four chapters. I read something from the beginning of the Old Testament, and I read something from Psalms on, and then I read something from one of the four Gospels, and then I read something in the, in the rest of the New Testament. So I keep a constant diet. Where was I going for? I interrupted myself. Provision along the path. But something that I read today that may not seem to affect my life, oh, it's just knowledge. Tomorrow might be the bread along the path that I needed. Might be the answer or the solution to the problem I'll be facing tomorrow. And, and along that path... That God, how many of you know is this a narrow path? But do you know God has a path for you? A specific path. And this word is like bread along that path. It marks out the path. It's how you find the path. It is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. And when I'm looking at God's word, I'm studying, I'm meditating on it. Then when I'm going down the path and I'm tempted, which way do I go? I see the bread. The bread is leading me down the path. And it's provision for my spirit man for tomorrow. Many of us, we might only get into the Word when our life begins to fall apart. But what if we got into the Word all the time? Maybe our life wouldn't be falling apart all the time. Is that true? You know, when I preach on the Word of God, I don't know where this comes from. But y'all look at me like, Pastor, I, I don't like this sermon. <laughs> I'm serious. Y'all look at me like, I know all that. Some of you looking like, I know all that. And some of you looking like, I don't do that, and he's getting on me. I think a lot of you are looking at me like, I don't read the Word, and you're getting on me. I'm not. I'm encouraging you, and we're recalibrating. That's all we're doing. Don't get mad at me. What kind of preacher would I be if I didn't tell you to read the Word of God? That would mean I don't even care about your soul. I see what you're saying. He says, Caleb has the Caleb challenge where you listen to positive, encouraging music for 30 days and, and, and then look back and see how it changed your life. He's saying, what if we read the Word of God? It's the, it's the beginning of a new year. If you're going to make a resolution, make a resolution to start reading your Word. Some of you used to, and then you kind of got away from it. I know how it is. I know life comes at you. I know you're not, you know, you got other things going on. But what I'm saying is this is the main thing. This, we can't get away from this. When you got away from this, that's where you went off path. Fair enough? I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't get mad at me. I'm saying because I love you. God's word is our ultimate guide. One time, I, lately, me and Angie, back before Kaylee moved out, me and Angie went on a vacation without the kids. Now, they're old enough. They got jobs and stuff. They can watch themselves. And so, but before we left that whole week, she's writing notes. 
She got post-it notes on the refrigerator. She got a, about a seven-page note on the counter telling her how to tell them how to feed the dogs when we're gone, what doors to lock, what to set the temperature on at certain times of the day, what's in the refrigerator, what they need to buy, you know, what to look for, what packages will be coming. I mean, it's a detailed note. You know what the Bible is? It's God's note. It's telling us what to do until he comes back. And do you know that you won't be judged on how successful you are in this world? You'll be judged by what you did with the book, with the note. What God told you to do, that's how we'll be judged. John 12, 48, Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. There's going to be people that stand at the judgment and say, well, look at me, God. Man, I got totally rich down there. And I did some good things. I employed a lot of people. I had a big business. I was successful. Other people will say, do you see how famous I was? People adored me. They came from all over to hear me. There'll be other people that say, Jesus, I was a great evangelist. I told so many people about you. I did this. I, did, I, I saw miracles and signs and wonders. Man, I know great will be my reward. And Jesus is going to say, That wasn't what I called you to do. You're not going to be judged on if you're a great evangelist if you wasn't called to be a great evangelist. Mary Ellen, you're going to be judged on what Mary Ellen was supposed to do in her life. And you're not going to know what Mary Ellen was supposed to do in her life until you read the note God left you. It might take a lot of pressure off some of you because some of you are thinking you're going to have to be rich. You're going to have to be famous to be successful. You've you got to be something. God's saying you, you need to be who I made you to be. And you won't find out who that is until you look into my word. Because James 1.22 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like, Glancing at your face in a mirror. But I want you to understand, looking into this word is like glancing at your face in a mirror. This is where you find out what you look like. Not in a locker room somewhere some fella told you. Not your fellas at work. Not your girlfriends telling you what you should do and what you should wear and how you should dress and what, you, what your job opportunities are. This is where you glance and get a picture of what God says you are. You see yourself... And you walk away and forget what you look like. That's for those who don't do it. Because it's more than just seeing it. There's being it. And you become it by doing it. Amen? Amen. But if you don't see who you are, you don't know what to be. You can be toiling your whole life thinking you're pleasing God. And going in the wrong direction. This is the path. 
This is the path for our church. We're going to stay on the path. We're going to take the pressure off ourselves. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to be, I'm not the maker of the wheel. God is. God is my creator, my sustainer, and he has made the way. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, that'll set you free, won't it? And you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And I would add, God's will is found in God's word. For those of you who say, I don't know God's will. I don't know what he has for my life. I don't know where to get a job. I don't know if he wants me to live here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You say, but, but I, I can't look in there and see if I'm supposed to take the job at Walgreens or not. It doesn't say specifics. It will to you. And it'll give you general principles that will never steer you in the wrong direction. And then if you get a, get a little bit off, you, you trying to do good, and, but you're just a little, heading a little bit in the wrong direction, then next week we're going to talk about that little voice that'll say, this is the way, walk in it. Little gentle voice. Because you'll be, you'll already, you know, be right there near the path. This will keep you on, on target. I promise you, this book is a spiritual book. John 6, 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit, and that's capitalized this, that means the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Do I need to say that again? If you're acting like a carnal person, you don't care anything about the God's spirit, God's the spiritual things, then you're profiting nothing. The old saying, you, you know, whatever you gain, you can't take it with you. The only thing we can send ahead of us is spiritual things. We can save up treasures in heaven that'll be waiting on us, but everything else profits nothing. It's wood, hay, and stubble. And as vessels unto God, we should want the gold, silver, and we want, we want the precious jewels. We want our lives to be usable for God. We want to be spiritual people. It's the Spirit who gives life. It was the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the Holy Spirit that raised you from spiritual death. Not so that you could go back into living the way you did before, but that you could begin to live this new abundant life that Jesus has prepared for those who love him. That you could rise up as spiritual. Paul said, I, I preach and it's, it's like I can't really preach the things I want to get to you because you're just like carnal Christians. It's just like I have to spoon feed you a little milk at a time. You're just little babies. Why? Because you're not getting into the word for yourself. You're not praying. You're not being led. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, acting like children of God. The flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak 
And these are the words that Jesus spoke. Jesus is the word. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. This is where you find life. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That's why you got so many people out there distorting the Word of God. They read it, and they got all these terrible understandings of it. They got a Ph.D. in front of their name in biblical studies, but they're not saved. They don't have the Spirit of God. They're just reading it, and they're just trying to glean something off the surface. But this book, it's... It's like trying to fish, but you're only fishing topwater bait. You're just going to catch, catch those little fish. But the, this word is deeper than any ocean. And deep is calling unto deep, you understand. God wants you to go deeper. And you cannot fathom the depths of the livingness of this word. And he's calling you to go deeper. You see, this natural man, he, he just looks at the surface. Besides, it's foolishness to him. And God's okay with that. Because he's not going to throw his pearls before swine. Jesus spoke in parables. He said, so that seeing they might not see, and hearing they may not hear. And so they won't understand. Jesus doesn't want natural people to understand his principles. Until their heart is ready to humble itself and give it and, and be filled with his spirit. And then he unlocks the mysteries of God. Then all things become available to you. All the knowledge and the secrets of the world become available. And it's just an old dusty book on some people's coffee table. It is God who wrote this letter to us. Man, I cherish it. I know it's hard at first when you're not used to reading the Bible. Some, I know all the excuses. I've heard them all. I don't comprehend reading very well. I never read in school. I don't like reading. Well, this, this is worth the effort. If this is not worth the effort, then your life is not worth the effort. This is your life. But the natural mind, those that are not saved, they can't receive the things of the Spirit of God, but we can. For their foolishness to, the, to Him, nor can He know them because they are spiritually discerned. That's the plight of the natural man. He's in the dark. That's why they're in the kingdom of darkness. Because the light isn't shining for them. You must have the Spirit of God to discern the thoughts of God. And then it will illuminate your life. They, I pray that the eyes of their understanding might be enlightened. That they may know the hope of their calling, Ephesians says. Do you want your life to be enlightened? That you may know the hope of your calling? That you may know the path? That you may know how to live a life worth living? If you're not reading the Word, and you don't value it, and you think you're, I'm good without it. I'll get a little bit from pastor on Sunday. 
According to this scripture, what does that make you? Either just a natural man, unsaved, or at the very best, a carnal Christian. And that's not something I want to hear on Judgment Day. You are a carnal Christian. You are a, a Christian who were given opportunity to walk in the light. And you chose rather to stay in darkness. Am I saying it or is the Word of God saying it? I would rather tell you and hurt, step on your toes today than you to go through another year thinking the Bible is option, optional. It's not. It is your life. It is the bread of life. We show we love God by loving His Word. So if you hadn't been reading the Word of God, today's a new day. Rethink your position. I was 32 before I began reading the Word of God. The past is the past. The Bible will tell you that. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. No condemnation. Just get on board. Make a decision. Hey, pastor stirred my heart. Well, the Holy Spirit through pastor stirred my heart. It's the first of the, the year. I'm going to make a Bible reading prog program just like my daughter. Somebody gave her a book, a, a Bible that was written in a one-year kind of thing or something. Or, but I'm telling you, the dollar store Bible with the King James and you get a micro, microscope to kind of read it, that'll work just fine. Whatever you have, give it your attention. Stop building your life on shifting sand and start seeing the living, powerful word that will encourage you. You see, the devil will torment you if you don't know the word. The devil come to torment Jesus. But Jesus said, it is written. He knew the word. The devil had no place in him. And Kaylee, I'm going to tell you this. That you did right by praying to God. When you felt and you recognized an attack from the enemy, you did right by praying to God. But I'm going to tell you, as you grow in your Christianity, you're going to stop asking God to do what the authority he's already given you the authority to do. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to go to God and say, God, please get the devil off of me. God, please help me sleep. God, please... The word already says it. If you'd already known that word, you'd have took your authority and said, Get off me, devil. The, the Bible says that I shall lay me down and the Lord shall give me sweet sleep. He shall wake me up in the morning. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I resist you, Satan. You've got to flee. See, the word begins to be a, a, a two-edged sword. It is the sword of the Spirit. And I'm going to preach a message on anxiety coming up. When we finish this series, I'm preaching a message because the church is being beat down mentally. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's an answer for that. We have victory over that. We're going to get it. So don't, don't miss that day. You show God you love him by loving his word. The psalmist wrote uh, the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalms 119 is 176 verses. 100, 176 verses. It takes me a week to read through it. But in every single verse in that 
chapter is about how much he loves the Word of God, how much he wants to do the Word of God. In uh, Psalms 119.47, for example, he says, How I delight in your commands. I love them. Why? You may not love reading the Word of God at first, but when you begin to see what it will do in your life, you begin to feel God's presence with you. He begins to show himself and reveal himself and show the path before you. And things become alive to you. Understanding becomes fruitful. All these benefits of reading the Word of God. You will love the Word of God. You can't wait till you get up in the morning and read it again. I've read the Bible through I don't know how many times. I stopped counting in the 30s. And that was a long time ago. But I read it again and again and again because it's alive and it'll speak to my situation today. And I'm still getting, I feel like I hadn't even broke the surface yet. I love the Word of God. And the psalmist said, just in this Psalms 119, I just skimmed through it, you see, preparing for this message. And I just begin to, words begin to jump off the page. And it says, He rejoices in God's Word devotes himself to it. He ponders it. He hides it in his heart. He pursues it. He clings to it. And he treasures it. He studies it. He meditates on it. He reflects on it. He depends on it. He lives by it, and he obeys it. And I'm telling you, that's the way to go. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.